have children. No, I'm a participant. She's a helper. She's a helper. Yeah. She's a good helper. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're glad you're here today. It's good to be together in God's house. And isn't it a beautiful day? Dare we hope that spring has arrived? You know, I woke up early this morning. I heard the birds singing outside. And the thought that came to my mind is I hope that they are a better indicator than the groundhog. I hope spring is here. And it it is a beautiful day. And it's supposed to be a beautiful week. And so we're glad to... uh, to come to this place with thanksgiving in our hearts uh, for the beautiful uh, weather and, and season that God has given to us. And we welcome you here today. We welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and hope you'll feel a part of our family as we worship God together. Let me remind every one of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would take that and to fill it out so we could have a record of our attendance with us. If you would do that, we would certainly appreciate that. And uh, I'd like to call to your attention some announcements that we have, some things that we have going on beginning this afternoon. We will be uh, continuing our study of the present future at 5 o'clock today, meeting upstairs in the youth room right above me here. And um, it's a great book. It's a book study, and and, uh, they've only had one session, so it's it's not too late to get get into this and to jump into this. So... uh, so go ahead and come if you would like to. It's a great book that it asks six tough questions for the church to consider uh, in our modern day, in our postmodern day. And so uh, it, it's, a, it's an interesting book and one that uh, will challenge you. So if you'd like to be a part of that study, then be here today at 5 o'clock and uh, 
uh, meet with the group upstairs in the uh, fellowship hall. Brittany, I think you have some announcements uh, as well. So, Brittany, come tell us about uh, Matthew 25 and something for Habitat. I just got two announcements this morning. Um, Matthew 25, they're having Runway Red here this Saturday. Um, They emailed me, and I'm not going to be able to be here, but they've asked that maybe one person can volunteer to help that day, and they need somebody that knows the kitchen really well to kind of show them where things are and where they need to go back um, after they leave just to make sure they've left it as they, uh, you know, as they found it. So if you're interested in that, let me know after church or uh, call me or email me, and I'll uh, get with Nicole and let her know. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, if you're interested in this, you can get with me as well. Habitat is actually involved uh, in a fundraiser. It's for 911 Gives Hope. I'm not sure if any of you have heard of it. Um, it's The Guns and Hoses is also part of the 911 Gives Hope. Um, we are going to be one of the six teams building a playhouse at the Home and Garden Show on April 11th and 12th. And I've got um, three youth groups, area youth groups signed up. And my, um, st- a couple of my staff members, they're going to go ahead and build the house at Habitat, um, prefabricate th- some things. We've got to take it apart because they want us to still build some of it there. Um, but we'll have a lot of the pieces pre-cut, so we just kind of have to put everything in. So if you are available on April 11th between, I'd say, probably 10 and 1, and you'd like to be involved, um, it's at the... Uh, used to be the center. I can't, I can't think what yeah, they call it now. I, I think it's called the old, yeah, the old National Events Plaza is where it is, and there's parking pretty close. So if you'd like to come, let me know. Um, I probably need maybe six volunteers total. Like I said, I've got two people from our store, and I'll be there some of that time. Um, just a fun way to get out there. Um, all of the playhouses will be put at the Lowe's on the east side in Evansville for a week after we build them. And then they'll be auctioned off, and all the money will go to 911 Gives Hope. So it's just a little way that Habitat's getting involved in actually helping another charity. So like I said, if you're interested, let me know. Thank you. Thank you, Brittany. And uh, as she mentioned, Runway Red will be here on Saturday, the fashion show to, to benefit uh, Matthew 25. And I think there are tickets available. Isn't that right, Brittany, to Runway Red see, see you? see you or they can get them at the door and uh, those are for $25 and it's for a great ministry there. Also a couple of other things coming up, uh, not this coming Saturday, but the following Saturday, uh, a group of folks are meeting here. I think it's kind of a marathon day uh, of sewing, um, sewing dresses for international missions and so uh, uh, they need all kinds of people to with all kinds of skill sets. If you can't sew, they can find something for you to do. So uh, come and be here uh, for that. Um, also, Extreme Build is coming up in June. Uh, this is the 10th annual Extreme Build in McCreary County, and that will be June the 7th through the 13th. And there's a sign-up sheet on the table that you can sign up to be a part of this. This is a this is a wonderful thing. Uh, we go and literally build a complete house in a week. When we go there, there's basically a foundation. Sometimes the, the, uh, uh, there's some framing up. But on Monday morning, we usually go on Sunday afternoon. On Monday morning, we start work. And by Saturday, we are handing the keys of that house to the new owners. Uh, the owners, the, the, the people that are selected is a single mom with two precious little children. And... Um, 
and, and it's a great ministry. It's a lot of fun. You get to meet people from all over Kentucky, and uh, it's a good thing to do. So if you would like to be a part of this, please sign up over here. The only expense that you have are your hotel expenses, and um, we will cover, the, our, the ministry team here will cover the, your fees. You can go for a day. You can go for two or three days. You can go for the whole week. But we need to kind of know what days you will be there so we can, we can make those plans accordingly. So if you'd like to sign up over here, please do so as soon as, as possible so we can go ahead and make those plans and hotel reservations and be sure to let us know which days you will be available to uh, uh, participate in Extreme Build this summer. And one other thing, this Wednesday we will be uh, continuing our study on spiritual gifts. And, uh, and this week... Uh, we're kind of coming to a head this week. We've been talking a lot about different spiritual gifts. And this week we're going to be taking a little inventory that will help us determine what your spiritual gift is. Some of you have asked, well, I don't know if I have a spiritual gift. Yeah, yeah you do. But this will help you to determine exactly what your spiritual gift is. So come. If you want to know what your spiritual <laughs> gift is, come Wednesday night. We have supper at 545, and then we'll do this at 630. So I hope you'll be here then. Yes. The youth are meeting at Mary Rye's house tonight at 6 o'clock and playing, playing, playing with their food and eating games. Playing with their food and eating games. <laughs> and, and the youth committee is also looking for, for homes to host the youth on, on Sunday nights uh, for some fellowship times like this. So if you would like to open your home, uh, to our, our youth group, then uh, please let us know, and uh, and we'll we'll plug we'll schedule you for for that. Let us stand now and sing our song of gathering. Come, Christians, join and sing.
Today's responsive reading is titled, Forgiveness. God, hear our confessions for our running away from your love to avoid the tug of your call. For preferring the safe, familiar, and certain to the risky, unknown, and mysterious. For failing to believe in the vulnerability of power and the power of vulnerability. For taking no delight in variety and insisting on sameness and conformity. For fearing those different from ourselves and projecting onto them what we cannot accept in ourselves. For not noticing your presence in faces as well as in spirit, in feeling as in intellect, in darkness as in light, in pain as in healing, in the journey as in the resurrection. Set us free, we pray, liberating Christ so we may live our lives graciously and without fear.
This is a reading from John 3rd, 14 through 21. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. This is the word of the Lord. Do you all like to have fun? <laughs> like to have fun? Like to dress up and do silly things? Okay. Well, I have asked some leprechauns to help me today because Tuesday is St. Patrick's Day. Okay? Now, most people think of St. Patrick's Day as a, a fun holiday because you get together and eat, drink, and be merry. But actually, St. Patrick's Day is named after St. Patrick, who is the patron saint of Ireland. And as a young man, he was captured and put into slavery. He did manage to escape. And later he decided he had a calling to go back to Ireland to be a missionary. Okay? So we think of uh, St. Patrick. It really started out as a religious holiday. Okay? One thing that St. Patrick did was... And Bobby Clover's the wrong thing. <laughs> he used the clover as a sign of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, the three petals. Okay? So he was trying to convert people to believe in God and change their evil ways, like Chica was talking about in the scripture. God wants us to be good and follow him. So, our first thing, we're going to give everybody, and Miss Mary, if you'll help me here, please. The early Christians would wear a shamrock as a sign that they were a Christian. Okay? So, everybody gets a shamrock to wear. Now, that kind of evolved to people wearing green on St. Patrick's Day. Okay? So, um, that's our first leprechaun has the shamrock. Now, our second... Leprechaun Nora behind me here has the Irish flag. 
And I don't know how many people have Irish ancestors, but I, I do. I see a hand way in the back. How many know that you have Irish ancestors? Okay. They probably came to America for a lot of different reasons, maybe after the potato famine, looking for a better life. But a lot of them came for religious freedom uh, because of all the turmoil in Ireland. And if you look at the Irish flag, there are three colors. And I should have prompted these people better. (laughs) The Irish flag is a tricolor flag, green, white, and orange. The green is for the Gaelic, and a lot of people refer to it as the Catholics. The orange is for uh, the leader, uh, William of Orange, who was Protestant. And the white in the middle is for the hope of peace. Okay. So our scripture reading today is that God wants us to be nice to each other, not to condemn each other or ourselves. So if you look at the Irish flag, think of God wants us in the middle. He wants us to be nice to each other and not fight each other, which in the Irish history, there has been a lot of wars because they didn't get along. Now, the third thing is I ask you if you like to have fun. There's a lot of Irish tradition or fun things that go along with St. Patrick's Day, just like the leprechauns. They're little people, okay? And you know what the leprechauns do? Find the pot of gold. Okay, and the pot of gold, Donnie has pots of gold. So everybody gets a pot of gold. Well, it's chocolate gold. In just a little bit. Okay, so I'll let you hold that again. Okay, now also remember, what did, what did Brother Tim say when he got up to this morning. He says, thank goodness it looks like spring is here. That's the thing about March also is that the wearing of green on St. Patrick's Day is kind of a symbol that we hope that that spring is here. When I was thinking about that today and I looked out, I thought, you all deserve a picnic today, okay? So, and at the end of the service, if anyone would like a shamrock symbolizing the Holy Trinity, please help yourself. And if you notice our arrangement behind the choir has the Holy Trinity, the shamrock. Now, parades are a part of St. Patrick's Day and food. So you have shamrock cookies and little barrels of green limeade. I knew you all thought I was going to say something else. Okay, so Miss Mary is going to lead you all in a parade up to your room And your room has a rainbow over it. So you take your pot of gold, and you go to the rainbow, and you learn about Jesus, okay? And that we are not to condemn others. We are to live in peace as the Irish flag symbolizes. Okay? And don't forget to wear green on Thursday. And your shamrock. Tuesday. What did I say? Wednesday. Tuesday. Tuesday. Okay? Thank you.
please bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the new start of the season. This perfect weather is coming in. It's, the trees are getting their leaves back soon, and the grass is getting greener. It's all because of you. And all we ask today is that you forgive our sins, and these donations that we receive today will help us grow and expand even further beyond this community and to help spread your word. We thank you for every day you give us and all your th- all your mercy and all your forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Thank you, choir. What a wonderful message that God thought of us above all. There was a a young woman who uh, posted some soul-searching thoughts on Facebook not too long ago concerning another Facebook post about a teenage boy in Jamaica who had been beaten by his classmates. And the reason this young man was beaten is because his father had visited his son's school and informed the boy's peers that his son is gay. The young man's father had already informed this young man that he was no longer welcomed back in his home because he could not tolerate his sexuality. And the father said the boy should be dead, but because he was his son, he would spare him. Well, this young woman, also from Jamaica, but now living in the United States, was moved with indignation when she read this. She says that her tears fell freely and she gripped her stomach. She was so affected by this. How does a parent condemn their child, she asked. And she thought of her own five-month-old daughter as she read the post. And then she pictured this young man being beaten and kicked on the floor as his fellow classmates stood by with their hearts of stone. And the young woman, who is a devout Christian, posted a Bible verse in response to this story. It was John three seventeen, which says, For God did not send God's Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. She noted that many of us have been familiar with John 3.16 from very early in our days, from our childhood. For God so loved the world that God gave God's one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. But then she says that the next verse is just as powerful as that one. For God did not send God's Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. It was this father's spirit of condemnation that offended this young lady so mightily. So what does that word condemnation or to condemn mean? Well, the dictionary tells us that it means to express complete disapproval of someone, typically in public. It can also mean to censure or to sentence someone to a particular punishment, especially death. And we have seen in Muslim countries fathers putting their children to death because of some actions that they consider to be sinful or dishonorable. Thankfully, most Christians live under a different standard than that. We turn to scriptures such as Romans 8, verse 34, which says, Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised and who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. And the implication of that scripture is that Christ doesn't condemn us so how can we condemn someone else remember the woman caught in the act of adultery in john chapter 7 jesus was in the temple courts teaching when the teachers of the law and the the pharisees brought a woman to him who was caught in the very act of adultery 
And they stood her before the group and they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the law of Moses tells us that we are commanded to stone her to death. What do you say? They were trying to trap Jesus into saying something for which they could condemn him. But Jesus didn't buy into their ploy. He stooped down and started to write in the dirt with his finger. And when they kept asking him, he straightened up finally and he said, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first one to throw a stone at her. When they heard that, they began to go away one by one until only Jesus was there with this woman and Jesus asked her, Where are they? Does no one condemn you? And she said, No one, sir. And Jesus said, Then neither do I condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. Now I want you to think about those words for a few moments this morning. Neither do I condemn you. Jesus was the only one who was blameless, without sin. And yet he did not condemn this woman. He was the only one there who had a legitimate right to do so, but he did not condemn her. Instead, he sent her away with the simple instruction of telling her to leave her life of sin. You see, Jesus was not in the business of condemnation. He was sent here to earth to save, not to condemn. And I find it ironic that the the men who condemned this woman caught in adultery, they were sinners. They had also sinned. And Jesus was aware of their faults. And when, when, when he made his statement, he was aware that they were sinful as well. And that's why he said, let the first one who is without sin throw the first stone. He knew. And so it makes me wonder, why is it that followers of Jesus so often ignore this example of Jesus to not condemn. Remember the shame that used to be attached to a, a young woman who was pregnant out of wedlock. Her, her sin was very public. I mean, sooner or later, it became very evident what she'd been up to, you know. But Jesus knows that there are a lot of people out there as well who carry invisible sins, pe- sins that people may not be aware of, Sins like envy, sins like bitterness and hatred, sins like having a condemning heart. And even though people may not see those kinds of sins, God sees them. And so Christ instructed us in Matthew 7, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will also be judged. 
And with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Then he said, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that little speck of sawdust out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? What a stunning image that is. A speck of sawdust in your neighbor's eye when there's a two-by-four hanging out of yours. And yet, you're offended by the neighbor's speck while ignoring the two-by-four. The point is, my friends, that if you have a condemning heart, you are out of sync with the heart of Jesus. Remember the woman at the well? She was a Samaritan. And she was a woman, which in that day and time were two reasons for Jesus to ignore her. But she also had a third strike against her. You see, she had been married five times and was now shacking up with a man who was not her husband. Three strikes. A woman, a Samaritan, and living with a man out of wedlock. Three strikes, except she was not out as far as Jesus was concerned. In fact, he had the longest conversation with her of any conversation recorded in the New Testament. And he offered to exchange her well water for living water. He didn't condemn her. He treated her with dignity, with compassion. He treated her with respect as a a child of God. And by doing so, I think that Jesus was setting an example for us in the way we should treat others. But there's another thing that we need to see this morning. You see, we are not to condemn others. That's the first thing. We are not to condemn others. But neither are we to condemn ourselves. You know, there are some people who who don't come to Christ because they don't feel they're good enough to come to Christ. You you may have invited someone to, to come to church with you and and you heard, you've heard them say something like, well, no, I'm, I'm just not church material. You know, I, I, I would be too embarrassed to come to church. I've got too much baggage. Well, let me tell you something, folks. That's exactly the kind of person that church was designed for. Jesus said, I didn't come for those, for the, uh, the physician didn't come for the, those who are well. Physician comes for one who is sick. He didn't come for those who are well. He came for those who need to be saved. For those who are hurting. For those who have baggage. Those are the ones that Jesus specifically came for. Lee Strobel tells about doing a baptism service years ago in which he he told people before they came to be baptized to take a piece of paper and to write down a few of their sins on that piece of paper and fold it up. And then he pointed to a, a large wooden cross on the platform. And he told them that when they came to the platform, they were to take that piece of paper and a push pin and pin that paper to the cross. 
Because the Bible tells us that our sins are nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ and fully paid for by his death. And then they were, come to, the, they were to come to the pastor to be baptized. Well, Strobel shares a letter that a woman wrote to him who was baptized in a, in a service like that. And here's what she said. She said, I remember my fear. In fact, it was the most fear I remember in my life because I wrote on that piece of paper as tiny as I could the terrible sin that I had committed. And I was so scared that someone would open that piece of paper and read it and find out that it was me. I wanted to get up and walk out because of the guilt and the fear that I was feeling. But when my turn came, I walked towards that cross. And I pinned that paper there. I was directed by, uh, to a pastor then to be baptized. And, and he looked me straight in the eye. And I thought for sure he was going to read this terrible secret that I had kept from everybody for so long. But instead, I felt like God was telling me, I love you. It's okay. You've been forgiven. I felt so much love for me, a a terrible sinner. And it's the first time I ever really felt forgiveness and unconditional love. It was unbelievable. And you know what? It is unbelievable. It is indescribable, but it is the wondrous love of God poured out for everyone who will receive it. You see, Jesus came into this world not to condemn the world or anybody in it, but to save the world and everybody in it. And in return, we are not to condemn others, nor are we to condemn ourselves. You know, so many people keep bringing up a memory of their their sins in the past and holding them against themselves, thinking that God is holding them against us too. But that's not our God. God doesn't do that. God is not a historian or an archaeologist that keeps digging up our past sins. No. God comes into our relationship with us and, and forgives us and restores us. So if you're, a, if you're feeling estranged from God today because of some sin in your life, I hope you'll lay it down this morning and accept Christ's forgiveness. And remember Christ's teaching that we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. More than 30 years ago, John Powell wrote a book titled, Why Am I Afraid to Tell You Who I Am? Uh, it was a, it's a wonderful little book. It sold millions of copies, and it still remains in print today. 
And the simple thesis of this book was that people tend to hide who they really are from others because of one basic fear. And he describes this fear in an actual conversation that he had with someone else. Powell said to the other person, I'm writing this book called, Why Am I Afraid to Tell You Who I Am? And the other person said, do you want an answer to that question? And Powell said, yeah, that's the purpose of the book. And so the person said, but do you want my answer? And Powell said, yes, of course. And so the person said, I am afraid to tell you who I am because if I tell you who I am, you may not like who I am. And it's all that I have. My friends, some of us are too hard on ourselves. Because listen to this, folks. If Christ does not condemn us, then who are we to condemn ourselves? Or others? And here's the really important thing that we need to see. When we accept ourselves and when we accept everyone else as a child of God, then we are reflecting the love of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're called to do as followers of Christ. When we do that, we truly become like Jesus. Ken Ramsey tells about a friend named Joel who he met while attending seminary at Emory University in Atlanta. Uh, Joel was working on his Master's of Divinity degree. And they were in the same ministry assessment group together. And and Joel was a big guy. He had done his undergraduate work at Dartmouth Dartmouth University where he played football. So he was a big guy. And and their mutual interest in athletics uh, were a common bond. And and, uh, Joel and Ken enjoyed jogging together at a local park. But one day as they were running around the lake at the park, uh, Ken noticed that Joel had this big smile on his face. And so he looked at him and said, what are you smiling at? And Joel pointed to a little girl fishing with her her dad. And she was imitating everything that he did. If he cast his line, then she cast hers. If he fixed his hat, then she fixed hers. And if he sat down, then she sat down. And so Joel said, there's just something about a child imitating her father that, that makes my heart smile. Well, There was a guy in their ministry assessment group who, for some reason, just seemed to always have it out for Joel. And no matter what Joel said, this guy would contradict him and take pains to point out how short-sighted Joel's comments were. And, And the ministry assessment group was a pretty intense environment anyway. It was a place where... They were to evaluate one another in many different areas of their lives and ministry. And this person was continually demeaning and rude to Joel. So one day it reached a boiling point and some harsh words were exchanged. And and when they left that group, Joel said, that guy has just pushed me too far. He makes me want to run over him like I used to do on the football field. And remember, Joel's a big guy and... And Ken says, that's enough to make me quake in my boots. I wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of that. And so a few days went by, and it was almost time for another group meeting. 
And the entire group was kind of on pins and needles waiting to see what kind of fireworks would take place between Joel and this other guy. And the day before the meeting, Joel and Ken were jogging around the park together again, circling the lake. And Ken asked Joel, have you decided what you're gonna, how you're going to deal with that other guy in our ministry assessment group? And Joel said, yes, I sure have. And then he said, I have decided. And then he paused. He said, I've decided that I'm going to forgive him. And then Ken smiled, this big smile on his face. And Joel asked, what are you smiling at? And Ken responded, there's just something about a child imitating his father. That makes my heart smile. My friends, it makes God smile when we imitate Christ. A father condemns his son because he is gay. And he tells the boy's schoolmates and they give him a beating. I only hope that God is more merciful with that father than that father was with his son. Be careful when you condemn someone since the Bible teaches us that we will be dealt with with the same judgment with which we judge others. For God so loved the world that God gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send God's Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Powerful, life-changing words. Never condemn anyone including yourself. Instead, reflect the true nature of Jesus Christ. Love. Forgive. Mercy. Amen. Let's sing together our Closing hymn, Burn in Me, Fire of God. And I hope the Spirit of God does burn within us as we recognize that we're all sinners, folks. Every single one of us, none of us is immune. Every single one of us are just like those tax those uh, lawyers and Pharisees who brought the woman in adultery, caught in adultery to Jesus. Every one of us are like them. We may think we're pretty good, but you know what? We're all sinners. And the only grace that we have comes through Jesus Christ. And so when it comes to condemning others, we don't have a leg to stand on. We don't. Only Christ does. You may be feeling bad about something in your own life today. Hard to get over it. Christ does not condemn you. Neither do we. 
So if you have something that's keeping you from Jesus Christ today, let it go. It's already forgiven and forgotten. It's already paid for. Maybe maybe it's time for you to accept that gift of grace that Christ is offering you today. We invite you to do that this morning as we sing together. Would you come and accept the grace of God? By God's grace, you have been saved. By God's grace, you have been healed. By God's grace, you have been made alive. By God's grace, you have been raised with Christ Jesus, seated with Him in heavenly places. So go now with the assurance of God's grace upon your life. At home, at school, at work, at play. Loving all you meet as Jesus loves you with mercy, with grace, and with forgiveness. Amen. Amen. Amen.